Okay, we're learning Daf Lamed Vav. We're starting, uh, actually, perfect, right from the top of the Amun. So yesterday we discussed our Mishnah. Our Mishnah was, our Mishnah's issue is what if somebody has Paris that are on top of the roof, and then he sees that it's going to rain on Yantif, and he wants to lower them, he wants to bring them down. And it's not a Muxa issue, it's not a Malacha issue, it's specifically a Tircha issue. So Tircha is very hard to define, obviously. When do we say you're spending too much effort on Yantif, you're not exerting too much effort? Very, very thin line. So the Mishnah made a distinction between using this, the skylight on Yantiv and using the skylight on Javis. On Yantiv, the Mishnah seemed to be more lenient. So if you just want to lower them, you want to drop them through the skylight, you're not doing a very, uh, a very hard task. It's not like you're lowering them through a rope, through a window. You're just dropping them right, through, right there through the skylight. Such a thing can be permitted. That's what we were mother on Yantiv, even though on Javis we weren't so lenient. That was the point that the Mishnah made. The Mishnah also made other points that you're allowed to, let's say, cover fruits from dripping rain. You're allowed to cover... Um, Jugs of wine and oil, the Mishnah said, and you can, if there's a drip in your house, you can, you can put a bucket there so that it doesn't cause damage. That was the overall point of the Mishnah. But the Mishnah had many details which weren't ironed out. For example, how many boxes are you allowed to lower? Uh, how many fruits? You just say you're allowed to lower fruits through the, through the sky. That's not also because of too much terachah, but maybe to a certain extent, maybe it is also. So we thought of making a parallel to a Mishnah on Shabbos. The Mishnah on Shabbos was discussing if somebody has guests coming over and they have to clear out a room from some boxes which are there. And the Shaila is... Um, are they allowed to do such a thing? Are you allowed to clear it out from the boxes? So, so, so over there, the Mishnah made a point of saying that four or five boxes is allowed, but more than four or five boxes is not allowed. So, so the Shaila is, what, what is the halacha? Is that a good parallel for us? That just as over there it's four or five boxes, maybe over here in our Mishnah it's four or five boxes. Or maybe it's not a good parallel b'chalal. Maybe there's many distinctions. Over here we have bittel beis hamedrash. Over here we have other. There it's bittel beis hamedrash. Here you're trying to save financial loss. They're just the variables are different. There it's guess. The Gemara said here it's yontif. There it's Shabbos. There are many different differences that the Gemara brought up. So today we're continuing with trying to iron out some of the details. There we learned that the Mishnah, even though you're allowed to clear away boxes for the guests, but you're not allowed to remove the boxes of an Eitzer. An Eitzer is a storage house. What does that mean? You can't clear it away from the storage house. What does it mean now from the storage house? Because again, you're not clearing away your storage house. You're clearing away something that's in your house. You're clearing it away because you have guests coming over. So what does the Mishnah on Shabbos mean that you can't clear away the Otsar? It means, You can't move all of the boxes. Meaning, even though you can remove four or five boxes, there's an added restriction. If that's all of the boxes that are present, you're not allowed to. Even if it's only four or five. But if that's all the boxes, it's Osir. Why would there be such a halacha? Because if you do that, if there's going to be no boxes which are left, then you might see an exposed floor, and you might see that there's something uneven. You might see a small hole in the floor, and what are you going to be enticed to do? To perfect it, to cover it in, to fill in any gaps. And that doing such a thing of, is really a violation of bonet. That's building on Travis, because that's also Lashvui, Gumos, you come, might come to even out some of the little holes in the floor. You're not supposed to do such a thing. So Shmuel explained that there's really two dinim going on in that mission shot. First of all, don't clear away more than four or five boxes. That's too much exertion. Number two, even if you are clearing away less, less than the, the amount that you, that, that's too much, but you have to be careful that you're not making a perfectly exposed floor. Because if you're leaving a perfectly exposed floor, we're concerned that you might come to Mimash for the Gumas. So if that's true, and the Gemara says, the Mar speaks that out, you might come to level some of the holes in the floor. So the question is, what do we say in our Mishnah? Is it usher to lower the produce in the skylight 
if, if you're trying to expose all of, the flo- all of the floor of the roof. Maybe it should be only also to lower some of the boxes that are there. But if I'm going to take away all the boxes, I'm going to lower all of them to the skylights, I might, maybe I'll have the same thing. Maybe I'll notice that there's something that's not perfectly even in the roof. I might notice a small crack in the roof. I might notice something that might entice me to uh, fix the structure of the roof on Shabbos, which would be Osir. So the same, same way I saw that in the mission on Shabbos, such a thing as Osir, Maybe we should say here it's forbidden. So the Gemara analyzes whether or not it's a good, a good comparison. Shabbos is more stringent. Remember, somebody's violate Shabbos. That's an Isra, that's an Isra of death, right? That's an Isra Malaskila. Abu Yantif to kill Shabbat Dami. Maybe on Yantif, maybe we're more lenient. It's not as big of a deal to remove all the produce. In other words, we're not going to make Xera don't remove all the produce as Xera Doma Asilash Vigumos. Because on Yantif, perhaps we could be more lenient. Oh, Dilmar, maybe we can argue just the opposite. Over there on Shabbos, where we want people to learn. Why are you clearing out the, the, all these boxes? Because you're trying to make way so that the students can come and participate in the, in the learning session. And still, you're machmir, even to stop learning of Torah. You're machmir and you say that you can't leave an exposed floor. And by us, we don't have that variable. We're just trying to clear it to save your fruit. It's not such as an important of a cause as so all the more more certain that it should be totally also to leave an exposed floor. If we see that the Xera stopped even Limud HaTorah, then all the more certain that the, that the Xera of leaving an exposed floor should stop Stam when you're trying to lower your boxes to protect them from financial loss. Okay, so we end off without, without answering our question. We don't know how many boxes we're allowed to move, we learned yesterday. And today we're not sure if you're allowed to leave an exposed roof. Perhaps you have to leave just a few boxes so that it's not totally exposed. Continues the Gemara. Another question. In our Mishnah, we learned the Mishnah was very specific. You lower the produce only through the skylight. It's only motor with the skylight that's on the same roof. Meaning, in those days, yeah, there was always like attached houses, you know? So you could have your, your roof and then your friend's roof may be right next to each other, totally level. You could walk from rooftop to rooftop. So Rav Nachman says that when our Mishnah permits lowering the produce through the skylight, it only means through the skylight of the roof where you are on. I will make to move the produce from one roof to another roof, to move it through my friend's skylight, that's Osir. It's specifically Osir. And Rav Nachman, we collaborate, Rav Nachman's din from a Bryce of Itani Nami Hachi. The Bryce of says like this as well. Even if it's not, it doesn't seem like such a hard task, right? The roofs are level. You just have to walk from one roof to the next. You're not allowed to do that. And again, why not? It's not a carrying issue. It's not a moksa issue. It's specifically a tercha issue. Even though we're being mater, lowering the, the fruits through the skylight, or we're saying you're not allowed to do that if, to, if you have to go from one roof to another roof. It's only mater if you're lowering it through the skylight that's on the roof where they are. So the shayla is hasamai. What about there in the Mishnah and Shabbos? And the Mishnah on Shabbos, the Mishnah is Matir moving four or five boxes to accommodate the guests or the base Medrash. So the question is, what about if I'm not just now moving the boxes? What I'm doing is that I have to move them from one roof to another roof. Let's say I'm trying to imagine exactly that case. I'm having a shear on the roof and I get up there and I see that there are some boxes. And in order for me to clear them, I have to move them all the way for whatever reason. But I have to move them to my friend's roof. Is such a thing permitted? What's the tzadim? We analyze. Maybe over here it's more chamer and yantif. Why? Because this is the counterintuitive far. Since yantif is more 
lenient. So the greater the leniency, we're concerned that people are going to take it too far and they're going to come to disgrace the whole Yantif. They won't treat the whole Yantif seriously because they see, ah, everything's lenient. Chazal or Mekel is just Yantif and they'll do whatever they want. So the Avu Shabbos, the Chamir, but on Shabbos, in general, people treat it with more severity because they should. It is Shabbos. So therefore, we don't have to make as strict of Takanos the Rabbanan on Shabbos. So maybe it's on Shabbos, you're allowed to move the boxes from one rooftop to another. Oh, Domar, maybe we could argue the opposite. Over here, we're talking about financial loss, right? It's financial loss. Your fruits are going to get ruined. Still, we say that when you know it's going to start raining, you're not allowed to move from your roof to another roof. You're only allowed to drop it through the skylight. Over there, where there's no concern for the loss of money, right? It's not half sit over there. It's just you want to clear the space for the base metrics or the guests coming. Certainly, it should not be allowed to move it from one roof to another roof. So, and this is really the... Uh, the, where, where the Gemara gets co confusing because if you're following, we're really saying contradictory as far as from one, one, one analysis to the next analysis. Over there, you're, you're clearing the space for Bittal based on Medrash and Archim who are coming on Shabbos. Here, you're saving your money on Yontif. How do those variables end up? Which is more Chama, which is more cool? You could look at it in all different ways. So we end up also not getting an answer to that. We know by Yontif, you're not allowed to move from one rooftop to the next, next rooftop, but by Shabbos, we don't end up concluding that question. Now the Gemara gets a final question, which is unclear in the details. Halachatanan in our Mishnah, and really it should be pointed is the Gemara is going about to say bring a brisa. So maybe you should say Hasam Halachatanya. Over here we have a, an additional point from the brisa. Even though we said you're allowed to drop them through the skylight, but it's too much tericha to lower them with, with with ropes. Meaning you're not supposed to do so much so much tericha. So if you're allowed to, um, if, if you're just going to drop them through, then that's okay. But if it's not like that, then you're not allowed to. So meaning, let, let's say you don't have a skylight, you can just drop them. So what do you want to do? You have a window in the wall. So what do you, you want to make a whole system. Somebody's going to go through the window and then go and lower them through the window. That's awesome. If you're just on top, you drop them through the skylight. Okay, that's not such a big deal. But if you're making a whole system that they go down through the wall, through the window, that's too much terror already. That's forbidden. Below you're reading Darius Lamas or you can't use a ladder steps, you know, if you had a step ladder and you're going to start transferring them down from the la- through the ladder, you're going to start transferring them down to the floor, such a thing, in fact, would be Osir. It's Osir to, 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 to move them down through the ladder. So the Shaila is, Hasamai, what would the Halacha be uh, on Shabbos? In other words, we learned over here that when we're, when we're mopped with the Terechah of lowering the boxes to the skylight, but it's only through the skylight, you're not allowed to lower them through the windows. But the question would be, what is the Halacha on Shabbos? On Shabbos, you're, again, you're allowed to, you're allowed to Lower the, uh, you're, we know you're allowed to move the boxes for the guests who are coming or because of bittel based metrish. But what the halacha are you allowed to move them through a window or through a ladder? So that's an additional point which we don't know. In our Mishnah, it seems that it's only through the skylight. We bring a price so specifically that it's only the skylight. It's not through a window. It's not through a ladder. So the question would be, what about in the, in the Mishnah on Shabbos? And when the Gemara analyzes it, again, we get the same svaras popping up here. Over here, why are you moving your fruits? Not such an important reason. You're just trying to save your money. But it's not like you're, you're, you, you have a bittel based on medrash. Over there in Mesecha Shabbos, Avu Shabbos, you have a based on medrash. Over there, you're trying to clear the space so that people can have a limanat Torah. So maybe it's a more important cause. Shopper dummy. So maybe it's mutter, even if you don't have a skylight, you can just drop them through. And you have to do more of a tercha and lower them through ladders or through ropes. So maybe it's still permitted because more of an important cause. Oh, Dilbert, maybe the opposite can be argued. 
Over here, where there's concern for a loss of the money, that's a much more important cause, loss of the money. Still, we say that you're not allowed to do too much terecha. It's only permitted to go through the skylight, but not through the, the window. So and we still we say that Allah over there is not a great of a cause. It's just but it's not a loss of money. All the more certain that it should not be, um, that, that, that it's not as important cause that it should be ushered to go through the window. And the Gemara says regarding all of our questions, we don't know the answer to any of our questions. So the only thing we know is that Anyantif, our Mishnah said, this is the conclusion, when you've got fruits up on the roof, you're allowed to lower them through the skylight. We know Anyantif, you're not allowed to go to your friend's roof, you're not allowed to throw them through another window or ladder. The only thing you're allowed to do is drop them through the skylight. What we do not know is how many boxes. We do not know how many boxes we can lower. That ends up being unresolved, the question from yesterday. And the, set, and the question we started off with today, are you allowed to expose your roof? Are you allowed to clear away all the boxes? Those two questions go unanswered. And in Masecha Shabbos, where it says that when you have guests coming or Bittal Beis HaMedrash, you want to call it, get an, an open roof or Beis HaMedrash. You're allowed to clear away four or five boxes. We have two questions which we, uh, which we don't know. We're not sure if if you're allowed to move it from one roof to another roof, and we do not know if you're allowed to lower it through a window or it's only much or through a skylight. Those questions both go unanswered. Okay. Now we move on to the next part of the Mishnah. We're on Lamed Vav Amid Aleph by the two dots of Machas and Zapir. It's very easy to take a sugya. We're about to start. So what did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah said that if I see it's going to rain and I have fruit, I'm allowed to cover it to, prote- to protect it from, from, from rainwater. It could be it's in the house, it could be it's out of the house, whatever reason. You want to make sure your fruits aren't going to get ruined. You're allowed to, you're allowed to cover them on Yantif to protect them from the rainwater that's coming. So, Amar, Ula, Filu, Avira, the Libni. This applies not only to fruit, this applies even to a row of bricks. What does it mean, a row of bricks? The point here is, here in the context, Rashi explains that the row of bricks are designated for building. It's like a construction site. So the bricks are muksa. Everybody agrees it's a type of muksa, and there's no question it's muksa. The muksa is these things are going to be used in the, in, in, for construction. You're not allowed to use them for your own purpose on Yantif. That would be muksa. The chiddush is that if there's dripping water and you don't want the bricks to get ruined, you're allowed to cover them. Now, why is that a chiddush? It's a chiddush because you're not allowed to move the bricks. The bricks are muksa. So maybe the same way that the, that the bricks are off limits, you're not allowed to move even another kli to protect the muksa item. That's the sugar that we're about to encounter. Are, is it usher? to move a cleave for the knees of a muksa item. I'm not moving the muksa item. I'm not going to move the bricks. But I want to know if I can move, let's say, a towel and cover those bricks. So Ula says that's totally fine. As long as you're not moving the bricks, that's fine. No. It's got to be fruit, which is suitable for Yantif. In other words, it has to be a non-muksa item. If it's a muksa item, you're not allowed to move a cleave for the needs of a muksa item. You might remember this from a second Shabbos. You're only allowed to move a cleave on Shabbos for the needs of or for the needs of a non-muksa item or for any needs that might come up with the usage of the cleave. But to move a kli for the needs of a muksa item, such a thing is aser. What an interesting iser. Is it exayra that you might move the kli that is muksa? They move, might move the bricks? Is that what's going on? Is it like a restriction in zayra's kalim, like that type of thing? You're only allowed to move even certain kalim, kalim shamatan la isra, you're not allowed to move for, for everything, even kalim shamatan la heter of certain restrictions in certain times and contexts, and perhaps that's what we're looking at. You're only allowed to move a kli for the need of a dover hamut, but for the need of a muksa kli to protect a muksa kli, you're not allowed to move the towel. This is Rabbi Yitzhak's so the Gemara quickly analyzes. Tanan we learned in our Mishnah, Machasim is a Paris The Mishnah said fruit. So the Mishnah picked an example of fruit. So Paris and Avir the Livni Loaf. And the Mishnah's example.
example, it sounds like Rabbi Yitzchak is right. It's only fruit, which is suitable for usage, but it's not bricks, which are all made for construction. Says the Gemara, it's not a proof. Maybe really it's true even for the row of bricks. Since the Mishnah started off lowering produce, remember that's what we started off with, so we continue with the example of fruit, but it's not meant to, to be an exclusion of covering the bricks. Says the Gemara again, we try to bring a proof. Tanami learned in the Mishnah of Echen Kadiyan, Echen Kadi Shemit. The Mishnah, after giving an example of fruit, continued with a second example that if it's dripping rainwater and I want to protect the pitchers of wine or the pitchers of oil, I can cover them to protect them. So that is a second example, and the second example is a non muksa thing, right? So that clearly sounds like that's to the exclusion of a muksa item. Again, a support to Rabbi Yitzchak. Says the Gemara, you know what? You know what type of jugs you might be talking about? Not ordinary mutter jugs of oil and, and, and wine. It might be that they're tether. They haven't been tithed. So they're actually muksa. And still the Mishnah is saying that they can be covered on Yantif. So the Mishnah might actually be saying that you're allowed to use a towel to cover even a muksa item. Says the Gemara, it's even logical to say, to make that ukimta that we're talking about tether ones. If you think it just means ordinary mutter ones that are suitable when yantif and non muksa. So why is the Mishnah giving a second example? The beginning of the Mishnah already mentioned fruit. So if it already mentioned fruit, so why is it mentioning Bechlal, a second example of a pitcher of wine? Why is a pitcher of wine teaching me anything more than fruit? Must be that when it's saying pitcher of fruit, it's not saying a regular suitable pitcher of fruit, a, a, a pitcher of wine or oil. It's talking about a muksa one. It's talking about a tavil one. And it's still saying that you're allowed to cover it. Says the Gemara, it's not necessarily, in other words, and what we just did was we bent the page the other way. If you think about it then, we really have a proof against Rabbi Yitzchak. Because from the fact that the Mishnah said, 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 said a second example of the pitcher of wine, it must be we're talking about a pitcher of wine, which is muksa, and still we're saying you can cover it. So it's a kasha on Rabbi Yitzchak, so Rabbi Yitzchak has to defend himself now. Oh, no, maybe really we're talking about suitable ones. I, what's the novelty? The novelty is, somebody may have thought to say, maybe the rabbis only let you um, be concerned for the, for the tircha here. It was going to be a big loss of money. Like, uh, if I leave my apples out in the rainwater, they will get ruined. That's a big loss of money. But for a small minimum amount of money, we don't be concerned. If you have a pitcher of wine, so it's funny, I, I would maybe argue the opposite, right? If you have a little bit of water that gets into a nice bottle of wine, it could destroy the whole thing. But I don't think we should think about it. So that's overthinking it. So, you know, think about it more with the oil example. Our wine today, we're, we're a little bit more fine schmeckers than in the Gemara's time. So you have a, a, a pitcher of wine, of oil, a little bit of drain water is not going to do so much damage. If I have my fruits that are exposed, it's going to ruin us so much money. Maybe there the rabbis were lenient to cover it. But to cover the pitcher of wine, a pitcher of oil, which isn't as big of a deal, if a little rainwater gets in, maybe the rabbis weren't as concerned. The Mishnah therefore had to inform us that no, the rabbis were lenient even in a case of minimal, small financial loss. So we're still at a place where we understand both opinions, we see the dispute, we have no uh, resolution one way, the other, one way or the other. Says the Gemara, let's try another proof. You're allowed to put a kli under dripping water on Shabbos. So we're assuming that dripping water is muksa. Why? Because usually it's disgusting water. It's not water that you would use for anything. And the Mishnah is matter me to take a kli and move it to collect the water. So why am I moving the kli? It's, 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 it's in order to, to catch the muksa water. So don't I see a kash and rabbi eskach? So the Gemara says, no, but Delafarai happens to be talking about dripping water, which is suitable for use, meaning it was still good, clear enough use. Rashi says that you might use for an animal. Now, there's another point here, which the Gemara and Shabbos introduces, that even besides Rabbi Yitzchak, there's another halacha, that to put a, a, a kli under a muksa item, where it will become a bosses for it, and you're not going to be allowed to move it, that's another restriction. It's like you're building it or destroying the kli. 
because you're, you're, you're locking it in to be right here. You're not going to be allowed to move it once the muksa item comes in. So anyways, really, we have to make this ukimta that the water is suitable because if the water wouldn't be suitable, forget about the discussion here. There's another issue of the fact that you're putting it under the dripping water where it's not going to be, you'd be able to be used. That for sure should be us. So we have to say in our Gemara that we're talking about suitable drinking water. And everyone would hold by that? That's what we're assuming. Even, in other words, Right. In other words, we have to remember two different issues. Over here, we're learning. I'm not I'm going to, let's say, take a towel and cover fruit. Right? I'm not being mevatal the klima hechano. If I want to move the towel subsequently on Yontif, I'd be allowed to. It's not a buses. It's not under the fruits. It's not holding the fruits. It's covering the fruits. That's the machlokas where Bitzlok and the other Amaram. If you're allowed to move the klima, let's say, rechtavar hamaksa. Then there's another sugi. Even if you're allowed to move a klitzarat let's say, but are you allowed to put it under a muksa item where it's going to become locked in place and, un- and you're not going to be allowed to move it subsequently? Says the Gemara Tashuma, we see a ride from a brisa. Parts in You're allowed to spread a mat over bricks on Shabbos. So again, you have bricks. You're trying to protect them from the rain. And the bride says, Mater, me moving the mat. So it sounds like super clear that what's the vart? You're allowed to move a kli even for the tzarech of the So the Gemara says, no, what type of bricks are we talking about? We're not talking about bricks which are, which are moksa, but rather diyaitim ribinyan. We're talking about bricks which are left over from the construction site. They're no longer all made to be used for construction. They're leftover bricks. And why, what are you going to use them for? The chazim is like sometimes people would sit on them. Usually they're designated the construction site, they're moksa. But whatever is left over from the construction site, we kind of just leave there and people would sit on. It would be like, you know, think about it like an outdoor bench, basically. That's what it's going to be. So therefore, that is not a moksa item. Says the Gemara Tashimah, it says in the Bryce, you're allowed to spread a mat over stones on the shops. You're protecting them from the rain. Stones typically are moksa, right? They're not a cleat. And still you're spreading um, the mat over them. So the Kashan Rabbi Yitzchak says, the Gemara Ba'avonim, more Korzolos, we're talking about a pointy stones, which specifically are designated, the Chaz and the Vesakis say they're suitable for use uh, after people defecate. Remember, there's a whole idea from Asaf Shabbos, you designate those two or three stones, the pointy stones that you use to wipe. So those stones are not Moksa, and that's why you're allowed to cover them. Says the Gemara Tashma. here we get into a very interesting case. Parsin Mach, this is going to cause a lot of discussion. So let's focus on this case. Tashma. Parsin Machselas Agabe Kaveris Devarim Vashabis. A person has a beehive. So in the beehive, you've got all sorts of things going on. You've got bees there, you've got honey there. There's a lot going on over here. So you're spreading a mat over the beehive. In the sun from the sun, in the rain from the rain. But you shouldn't have intent to trap the bees. Now, what we're thinking, let's just, there's a lot going on. We'll see a lot that will emerge, but let's just take it slow. Beehive, we're assuming, is to be a muksa item. Why are we assuming that? So Rashi explains because all of, even though there's many suitable things inside of the beehive, but everything in the beehive is designated for the bees. It's not something that a human being comes along and takes out for their own personal use. The beehive as is, is all for the bees. It's off limits. It's not for, you know, it's not for the owner. It's not for anyone to come. It's not designated for them to come and use. So pastures, it's a muksa entity. The beehive is a muksa entity. That's to be the pastures. And even like Rip Shimon, even though it's technically suitable, but a person totally like puts it out of their mind to use the beehive, any of the stuff that's laying there. So it should be muksa, lakuleyam, unanimously accepted that a beehive is muksa. So if a beehive is muksa, so then what in the world is going on? How are you allowed to take a mat to cover and protect the beehive? It must be that you're allowed to move a kli even for a muksa item. Says the Gemara, it's not a proof. Over there, it's not just that I have the hive, but I have more. I have the usable honey. The honey itself is something which the human being would come and take out. So the honey that lays in the beehive is not necessarily considered a muksa item. The hive itself, that's all for the bees. But the extra superfluous 
uh, honey, which is, which is produced there, there human beings come along and take all the time. It's like a natural place. You go and get honey. So therefore, the hive itself, now when you see you covering it, it's not shy. You're covering it for a muksa item. You're covering it for non-muksa items. Says the Gemara, but what did the Brises say? The Brises said you covered from the sun and from the rain. So what does that mean? We think that means in the rainy season and in the summer. So in the summer, there's honey that's present. It makes sense. But what about in the winter? So you have to know a little science here. Evidently, when it says Vakshama here, we're assuming it means the winter. And evidently in the winter, there's no honey. Is that true? In the, in the winter, there, there's no honey that's produced over there? That's what the Gemara seems to be assuming. Interesting thing you learned today. There's no honey which is there in the winter. So Elamai, there's the hive. So very good. But the beehive itself is a muxa entity. So our kasha comes back. So the Gemara says, There are always chalos. Chalos are the honeycombs. The honeycombs themselves, there's always at least two honeycombs that are left over there where the bees eat. In other words, there's actually layers of it. What happens is, is that, you know, you peel away um, honey. Human beings take away the honey. So there are combs that are left inside the hive. And that's basically what the, what the bees have sustenance from. That's what that is designated for the bees, right? So the question here is, what's going on? So we say that there are always, there are always two honeycombs, and the honey in the two combs over there is edible. It's a very interesting thing. Even though the, the honeycombs, those two honeycombs throughout the winter are really for the bees. But the Gemara is saying, no, the they're suitable for human beings, and therefore they're not muksa, and therefore you're moving the mat for them. But the Gemara doesn't buy it, because those two honeycombs, you got to be a fool to go ahead and take them, because you're going to kill the bees, right? The whole point is that those two honeycombs are what the bees use. So, they're totally moksa. They're set aside for the bee for the bees. That's not for us. So, the Gemara makes new... So, again, if you're covering the mat, it must be you're allowed to move the mat for Davra moksa. So, it says the Gemara, no. We made it, we're talking about a case where you plan to use them, meaning we're making a tremendous hukimta. The person came along and designated those two chalos for usage, meaning for whatever reason he needed it, it was very important. He thought before Shabbos that he was going to use those two chalos. So therefore, the ma'isa, the bi'ayv is not moksa, and that's why he could cover it. Says the Gemara, but what's coming out? If you didn't designate it, it would be totally osir to cover the bi'ayv. If so, the price went on to say, even though I said you could cover the beehive, but you have to be careful that you're not intending to trap the bees. We ran away from the laws of Muqsa, and we ran to discuss the laws of Tzedah. Instead of running to discuss in Isra Mitzah the laws of Tzedah, why not specify that it could be us or even with all the laws of Muqsa? Let's get more... Let's get more in-depth in the laws of what we're learning. The Brises should have said, It's only mutter to cover the BF when you plan on using the combs. This is always the style of the Gemara. If you're trying to say a contrast between Heter and Iser, you should say a contrast which is sharper within the laws that you are learning. You don't have to run to another random law out of left field. So if the Brises said you could cover a BF, but don't... Fill in the blank. The brides are ran to say, don't intend to trap. It should have said a sharper distinction that it's only mother to cover the beehive when it was a case where you planned on using the combs. But in a case where you didn't plan on using the combs, it should be also That should have been the distinction that the brides are made. So the Gemara says, no. The Tana preferred to run to something else. This is what the brides means. Even if you stay clear and even if you plan to use the honeycombs and you have no issue of Moksah, you're still not allowed to intend to trap the bees. So basically what we're coming out is that the Tana ran, ran to the laws of, um, of, of Tzedah, but that's not necessarily a question of, to us. The Brisa chose just to make that point that even if I plan on using the honeycombs, and I don't have a muxa issue, but still you have to be careful not to trap. Why aren't we worried, 
why isn't the Ravana making zera that you might come to trap the same way we, we worried about the floor and patching holes? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly when when they when they do it. I mean, they don't. I don't know. And you're right. You have to be very careful. We're going to see coming up in the Gemara a little bit more about the tzedes. Your idea is definitely not a bad question. Why does intention matter this much here? Isn't it psikrasha anyway? That's a good question. That's a very good question. Is it a psikrasha? Shonim are very bothered by this. If you put a mat on, we'll be a psikrasha. Let's see. The Gemara is going to say one more thing. Eventually, we're going to switch to Rabbi Yehuda, which is going to make it worse. We'll see a certain thing, which maybe come back to it, maybe not. Okay. But at this point, it sounds like. Let's just say hypothetically, it is possible that not to not to trap them, and it would depend kind of on your on your intent if you're trying to. You're trying to say that this Tana holds like Rabbi Yehuda who holds of Muksa. Where did we say that this Tana is going like Rabbi Yehuda who holds of Muksa? Zokrashi, you know where we said that? Because when if we were defending Rabbi Yitzchak's din, Rabbi Yitzchak's din is that you're only allowed to move a kli l'tzarot tavar she'en moksa. To move a kli l'tzarot tavar moksa is aser. Razok Rashi, that halacha of Rabbi Yitzchak is only like Rabbi Yehuda. The din that you can't, that when something is moksa, not only are you allowed to move it, but you're not allowed to move something for its needs, for sure is only within Rabbi Yehuda's strict view of moksa. That's what Rashi here says. Very interesting chiddush of Rashi. So Rabbi Yitzchak, for certain, if we're trying to defend Rabbi Yitzchak from this b'risa, and we didn't just simply say that we're going like Rabbi Shimon, it sounds like we want the b'risa to be like Rabbi Yudah as well. Because remember, the whole din of Rabbi Yitzchak, Zok Rashi, can only stim like Rabbi Yudah. So if you're defending Rabbi Yitzchak from this b'risa and trying to make it work, it must be that you want the b'risa to be even like Rabbi Yudah, because or else it's not a non-starter. The whole halacha has to only be only like Rabbi Yudah. So it sounds like you want the b'risa to work like Rabbi Yudah, but Ema Seifa. The Seifa said, It's mutter as long as you're not trying to trap the bees. It sounds like you might be trapping the bees, but it's mutter as long as that wasn't your intent. But wait a second. That's a classic Tavashin Miskavin. I saw in the Rabbi Shimon Tavashin Miskavin mutter. Then Rabbi Yehuda shouldn't agree to that. Rabbi Yehuda holds Tavashin Miskavin on Shabbos is also. So if you end up trapping the bees, the fact that you didn't have intent to do that, the fact that you were just trying to protect the beehive and you weren't intending to do that, that's not going to be, make you okay. Lamaisa, if you ended up trapping them, you'll end up trapping them. So let's say there's a chance you won't. Say there's not a psikresha. Everything would be gishmak. Then Rabbi Shimon Shita, that's fine. Even if the bee ends up trapped, but it's not a problem. Why? Because Lamaisa, that wasn't your kavana. But if you go like Rabbi Yehuda, that's not a hat there. If you ended up trapping them, it's a problem. So how could the brides say it's mutter as long as you don't intend to trap? Lamaisa, if the if the trapping would occur, you'd be you'd be over on a malacha. So what's the hat there? Why can't Rabbi Yehuda hold like Rabbi Shimon? You're not arguing about whether an item is mux or not. Right. So so, no so this right. Totally so this is your right, and this is the hard part of our Shitas Rashi and the Sugya. Rashi holds that Rabbi Yitzchak's din is telling Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon. Meaning, it's very hard to see how this is like that. Normally, Rabbi Yudha and Rabbi Shimon argue about the status of an item. Here, we're saying there's a new like offset, a derivative of uh, offshoot, a derivative of muksa. When you have a muksa item, it answers moving a kli for it. Rashi holds that that's only the strict perspective of muksa, which is telling Rabbi Yudha and Rabbi Shimon tremendous chedesh from Rashi. Other weird places in Shas, Rashi doesn't learn like that. In Masechah Shabbos, Rashi learns it's not Rabbi Yitzchak's din, but the din of the two honeycombs. Shechish we wanted to say, was maybe Machlag is Rabbi and Rabbi Shimon. That's a different idea. Okay, Rashi over there. Talk to Gemara about his brother, Reb Shimon. Right, you're Josh's issue. So, in other words, Tom, no matter what you do, this line, this bride here doesn't make sense. So, something's wrong. So, therefore, the Gemara gives another explanation for the bride's law. 
Really, we're going like Rabbi Yudah. Bachamai skin is like Kave. It has to be that we're talking about that the, the BI has windows in the walls that they could escape. So, meaning, even if I cover the opening of the BI, that's not necessarily be considered an act of trapping because they still could get out. So, below the table of Rabbi Yudah, and don't say according to Rabbi Yudah that we're saying actually Skav in Lutzer, that it's about the Kavan. It's not really about your intent, it's about how much you cover. Don't, don't, don't go ahead and make it trapped. So it's not about your intent. We're saying only cover the opening, make sure you leave the windows open. So really we're going like Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Yudah is only like Rabbi Yudah. The point that the prize was making is not about your kavana. It's nothing to do with your kavana. We're going like Rabbi Yudah. Our point is don't do an action which will trap them. So there's no way that by trapping over here it's going to be totally in your kavana. It's either psikresha or it's, it's going to be totally mutter. It's either you trapped them or you didn't. It's much more black and white here. And we're saying that was the point of the prize. Not that you don't intend to trap, but you don't make the covering over all the parts of the BI if you leave the window open, and therefore it's not an act of trapping. So I think Marvel and Pshita, that's an obvious point. Vishlama, if we were getting involved in Kavana, you'd say, okay, we're saying a fetish. But now that you're saying it's just simply saying don't trap, like, is that a novelty? By the way, guys, don't forget, you're not allowed to trap on shops. Of course you're not allowed to trap. Says the Gemara Motor. You may have said that maybe it's only also to, 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 to trap a type of animal that's usually trapped. Meaning humans, the Malacha of Tzedah isn't stop trapping. The Malacha is the fact that you're readying it for your, for, you're preparing it for your usage. Like you trap a deer so that you'll go ahead and use it for yourself. But here it's a bee. People, what do people do with bees? So it's not a species which is normally trapped. So maybe there's no isra or trapping on Shabbos. Kamash Malon, then no, even bees which are not usually trapped, Lamaisa are not supposed to be done. Is it ataka or Isa? Is it only a drabana? I think Mar doesn't say. Is the law of Mimino and Asa, Shalom Mimino and Asa rejected completely? Is the Kamash Malon, there's no such rule? Or maybe al it's still an isra or Okay. Until now, how did we get into this whole mess? Just go over the Shakhmataya. The reason we got into this mess is because we said you're covering the beehive. We thought the beehive was muksa. The Gemara said, no, there's honey there. The Gemara said, yeah, but what about the winter? Says the Gemara, no, but it's talking about the honeycomb. Says the Gemara, the honeycombs are muksa. Says the Gemara, you are chishiv alem, and that's how we got into the whole mess. Now Rav Ashi says a different answer. Rav Ashi, did the Bryce say in the summer or in the winter? Did it say in the rainy season? It just said it just said from the sun and from the rain. You know what it could be talking about? Mamish halav for us today, the last day of Tishrei here. It could be we're talking about during Nisan and Tishrei where there's both sun and where there's both sun and rain. There's also honey. So maybe in the winter when there's no honey, maybe really you cannot cover it. Maybe your bishuk was right when the bride was saying you're covering it because of the rain. It meant during the particular month where there's both sun and rain, but there's also honey. So la'ilam has to be honey there, and that's why you're covering it for the tzarich of the honey, not for the not for the, the honeycombs which are moksa. But the issue here is that I have the dvash, I'm covering it for the dvash. Okay. Now we go on. We move away. We're done with Rebbe Yitzchak's We said you could put a kli under the dripping water. Sana, it says in the Bible, if the kli became full, you could pour the water out. You know, let's go pour the water out. It's not too much tercha. And then return the kli to catch more water. But you know, you don't have to refrain from doing this. You could do this all day. All day you can move, catch the dirty water and throw it out. It says the Gemara, there was a story, water was dripping into the mill of Abaye, so his millstones may have gotten ruined. Now, millstones, we have to realize, are totally muksa. And the way, worst reason they were getting ruined, Rashi explains, is because the, the millstones were held together with mud. And if the water comes in and, and gets rid of the mud, then the millstones fall apart. So it was very, very big problem, financial loss, whatever it is that was, Abaye was suffering from. So, the Good idea here. 
go bring your bed up to the mill, to the mill, and then when your bed is there, it's going to be disgusting. It's going to disturb you. And then what's going to happen is you'll have a heter of graf sharei. What's the heter of graf sharei? When a person is even subjectively disturbed and repulsed by a muksa item, the halacha is you're allowed to move a muksa item. So let's say you have a little, literally a pail of excrement. It's disturbing you. So you're allowed to move it on Yontif or Shabbos, even though it's Moksa, but you're allowed to do it because it's repulsive. The rabbis were lenient. So here, that's in the millstone you're not using. It's not repulsive to you because you're not there on Yontif. But he said, go make this Arama. Go put your bed there. Go start hanging out there. And then you'll be repulsed by the, the water. And then you'll be allowed to move it. That was that. So he said, Yosef, I heard this. If you're in a matzah that it's making it gross, you're allowed to move it. But you're not allowed to orchestrate the situation, right? You're not hanging out normally in the mill room. You're telling me, go hang out in the mill room, move from your bed there so that you'll be disturbed and then you'll be allowed to do it. You're allowed to do that. You're not allowed to perpetrate a situation of graf sharei So this was his problem. He didn't want to hang on to this head. So Abai didn't do it and his whole millstone collapsed. Amr Abai said, tastily, I deserve this punishment. Why? I, I, I was over on, on what my Rebbe said. Meaning, Rabbah gave him a solution. Rabbah Paskin to his mother. Abai didn't want to listen. So, what's, what's Taka the takeaway from the Gemara? That Oisin Gashorei? Who's right? Abai and Rabbah. Right? Abai says, tastily, I deserve it. So, how do we Taka come out? It's very hard to conclude with, right? What's the, what's the takeaway in the story? Says the Gemara, Omar Shmuel, if you have a pal of excrement or a vessel for urine, you're allowed to carry it out in Shabbos. In other words, you're saying, you're allowed to carry out the urine, fine, very good. But what about when I want to bring it back? So what halacha is, you shouldn't carry it out by, you shouldn't carry it directly because now you don't really have a good hetter to carry it back directly. So what you should do is you should put in some water which is not muksa and then carry it out that way. In other words, the kli itself is totally muksa item. It's a muksa machos miyas, it's totally awesome. You're allowed to do it to remove it from the house. But, but now to remove it, to bring it back, you're only allowed to bring it back to the house and use again if I put a little bit of water which is suitable for usage inside of it. So I mean, uh, now we, may, we would try to deduce from Shmuel. Grabs are in Agav Mana. It's only motor to mood selling, which is repulsive. Agav, another Kli that's holding it. Meaning, if I have, let's say, urine or excrement, if it's in a pail, you're allowed to move it in a pail. I'm not shot as. 100% normally you're not allowed to do that, but it's a hatter of graf But the hatter of graf is only mutter when I'm moving it agavakli. It's in a bucket that's holding pail. Um, but but, but then that's below. If I have an item which is disgusting all by itself, am I allowed to move it? Let's say for whatever reason, there's a piece of excrement there itself. Am I allowed to move the piece of excrement directly? They thought no, because the example is a graf shoray. It's always the graf shoray, the pail that holds the excrement. So the Gemara says, but Lamai said, that's not true. You're even allowed to move it directly. The item which is gross, Tashma, the Hu Achbart, there was once a mouse, the Shachabat Bey, his partner, to Ravashi, was found right where the, all the spices were kept in Ravashi's house. Remember, Ravashi, Ravashi said it was a disgusting thing. Grab it by his tail and remove it. So even though the, the mouse is moksa, you're allowed to move a disgusting thing even by itself, even directly, not Agav, something else. Why is the Rav really different in terms of returning it? Whereas the Klishman's Lisa, you're allowed to. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice question. So, the, so there's a big machlokas I pose about this question. See, is a very cool um, category of moksa. It's a kli, um, and it's 100 percent usable. You're allowed to move it to Rakufa, So there's another kula. As long as you're moving it for 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 hatter usage, you could do whatever you want with it. But here, the graphic array is really moksa, much worse. Moksa, moksa is really awesome. So it's a special kula. Chazal are saying you're allowed to put water in it and moving and bring it back. It's really bad to be totally off limits. It's, doesn't, it's not in the, in, the, in the hatter category. It's much more of a chamartiki category. The big shayla about moving the mila knife. 
Once the mila knife, it's muktzmavachas and kiss. Once it's in your hand, can you move it anywhere? Just trying to give you an example. It's not so pleasant. Okay. Says the Mishnah. New topic here in Mesechah's Pizza. Kol shachar nolam mishim shavos, any mice on Shabbos, which is also because of shavos, mishum shavos, mishum mitzvah of Shabbos, even if it's a shavos or a mitzvah, achar nolam yantiv. You're also, you're also obligated not to do it on yantiv. So what does it mean here? Anything that the rabbis asserted, they asserted even if it's shavos or mitzvah. Now shavos over here doesn't mean totally discretionary. Shavos here means that you're doing something which is like somewhat related to a mitzvah, but not exactly a mitzvah. We'll see examples. And then Mishra Mitzvah means even a mitzvah. So notice the Mishnah is saying that when something the rabbi said, don't do something, Mishra Mitzvah, meaning don't stop randomly do it, the Chiddush is you're not allowed to do it even if it might is associated with the mitzvah and even if it's Mamisha Mitzvah. What are the examples? These are things that lead to a mitzvah. You're low and you're not allowed, uh, that, that, that are Stam discretionary, you're not allowed to do. You're not allowed to climb in a tree. You're not allowed to ride an animal. You're not allowed to swim. You can't clap your hands, slap the thighs, or dance. All those things are also stamas discretionary thing. And these are things which are also, which are even if they're going to be related to a mitzvah. You can't judge a court case. You can't, you can't marry a woman. You can't do chalitza or yibam. And these are the things which are also to do even if they're mamish or mitzvah. You can't consecrate something to the base of Nishalom. You can't make Erechen. Which is another form of Hektish. And you can't separate Trumas and Maizers. And we'll see the reasons for all these things. All these things are said on Yantav. Certainly they apply on Shabbos, which is more strict. All of these rabbinic and Yisurim apply on Shabbos. Because again, there's no difference in Yantav and Shabbos except Ochel Nefesh. How can the Mishnah say that? We started off in the Perak with the distinction between Yantav and Shabbos. Sound like a good kasha? Is that the meaning, maybe the Gemara's question? We say there's no distinction between Shabbos and Yom except Ochel Nefesh, and we start off with a distinction. Nothing to do with Ochel Nefesh. You're saving your fruits, right? Nothing to do with, you're not using it for Yom The bar is how much exertion. Stam, we're more make one. Says the Gemara, we analyze here what's going on. The Olin Ve'ilon, the rabbi said, you're not allowed to make usage of trees. Why not? We are concerned that if you're out there, you might come to tear off something from the tree while you're climbing it, which is a violation of the malacha of Kaitzer. A person is not allowed to ride in an animal. Why? We're concerned around the animal, you might go outside of the tchum. If we're making a decree, that you might go we should see from here that tchum and because if tchum is only drabanon, it shouldn't be such a big deal that you might go outside the tchum. We're concerned you might cut off a branch to use as a whip as you're riding the animal, which is again a of kotzer. You swim in water. You might make like this, this tube that protects a person that helps him to learn how to swim. And to make such a thing on Yontif is also because of Mesak and Mana. It's making a Kli. So therefore it's also to swim. You can't clap your hands, slap your thigh or dance. Why? You start doing that, you might come to fix a musical instrument. So again, the Mishnah was saying those are things that are general that are also Mishim Shavos. Generally things that the rabbi said. Our mission was Mechadish and it's also even if it's Rishos or Mitzvah, even if it's associated with the Mitzvah, category of Rishos or the category of Mitzvah itself. So then we were trying to analyze the category. So this, the category of things which were Rishos somewhat related to Mitzvah but not Mitzvah itself, what do we say? Lo Dunin. You're not allowed to judge. Frek the Gemara, Mitzvah Kavid. You're doing a Mitzvah. So in other words, what's the question? The question isn't that it should be Mutzah. The question is why is the Mishnah referring to it as Rishos, it should be the stronger category of mitzvah. So the Kamar says, there's a more qualified judge. So even if though you know you're not the most qualified judge, so you can't say it's a huge mitzvah for you to do it, that that's why we call it Rishos. 
You're doing a mitzvah. What's the mitzvah? This is Gaval de What's the mitzvah in getting married? That's what Rashi says. Puruvu. So if the mitzvah puruvu, and even though you're not having bia, why is that a mitzvah puruvu? Why is that a mitzvah puruvu? But the Mar is with the Rashi. It seems like the mitzvah, there's a mitzvah. Vas? Yeah, it's not a mitzvah. If I cared, it should be a hechsher mitzvah and it would be beautiful. That is Rishos. That's exactly an example of Rishos where it's bringing to a mitzvah. That'd be awesome. It should be, that's exactly, the Gemara saying no mitzvah COVID. We don't like that it's called Rishos. It should be called mitzvah. Why? It's Puruvu. It's not Puruvu. Very hard to understand. It sounds like that Maisa Kedushin takes on a status of a mitzvah to itself because of Puruvu. It's very hard to understand. So the Gemara says, Lutzricha, he has a wife and kids. Now it's only Rishos. It's nice to be married, but the Maisa is not a real mitzvah. Now, he already has a wife and kids, so this is the rate. The Maisa, by Birkas Eresim, we make a brach. So, so if it's Puruvu, in our Gemara, you can start thinking about it. A lot of the Rishonim already tell us from the Rambam that the Rambam Mose is a mitzvah if they Very famous Rambam to get married. It's mitzvah the how you marry a woman, a whole thing in the Rambam. The Rambam Mose being married is a mitzvah if they It's Mamish Shastira from the Rambam from the Gemara. The Gemara sounds like Mamish Klar. There's no mitzvah to get married if they The only thing is to have Puruvu, only to have the children. So it sounds like a steer. It really does. Whether in terms of whether or not it's a mitzvah to be married.